Several years ago, Thomas Friedman wrote a book titled, Thank You for Being Late. The subtitle is An Optimist's Guide to Thriving in an Age of Acceleration. In this book, Friedman addresses the increased pace of life and rapid rate of change and how it's affecting our well-being, our relational, emotional, and societal health. We used to be able to keep up with the rate of change in the world because the rate of change was still less than our brain and body's ability to integrate that change. We had time, as it were, to absorb change before the next round of change was upon us. But the pace of change has accelerated significantly. It's been estimated that in the year 1900, human knowledge was doubling every 100 years. By the end of 1945, the rate was every 25 years. By 1982, it was doubling every 12 to 13 months. And it's estimated that today, human knowledge is doubling every 12 hours. Now, we can quibble with how that might be being calculated. But I think we all feel the truth of this acceleration in our lives. We don't have to know all of this stuff. That's not the issue, especially when we can Google or IA chat the answer to any question that we have. But the rate of change has increased so much that our human processing can no longer keep up with it. And the problem here is that our inability to keep up with the pace of change creates anxiety within us. So we're all living at a higher baseline of anxiety than we were a generation or two ago. When we're anxious about the amount of change in our lives, our instinct is to roll up the sidewalks, circle the wagons, and cocoon ourselves in our safe, predictable, comfortable spaces. So we should not be surprised that in a time as highly anxious as our own, we've chosen to retreat into well-defined spaces and limit or reduce our exposure to those with opinions or lifestyles or perceived values much different than our own. If you need proof that this is so, look at the big sort that is going on across our country. Studies tell us that folks are choosing more and more to uproot and relocate to geographic areas that share their political and cultural beliefs. The clustering of like-minded Americans is becoming more common. Under the heading of the more things change, the more they stay the same, we are confronted with a similar situation in today's passage from Isaiah. Isaiah spoke to Israel over a long period of great change. Isaiah begins his prophetic career by warning Jerusalem of the defeat and the destruction to come as God's judgment on their failure to keep his covenant, especially in regards to caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan. This judgment is fulfilled when Babylon conquers Jerusalem, destroys the temple, and takes the most prominent Jewish leaders and citizens into exile. During exile, Isaiah's message evolves, 
comforting the people and promising that God will indeed restore Judah. Our passage for today is the beginning of the third and final section of prophecy from Isaiah, where Isaiah speaks to those who have newly returned from exile and are rebuilding the second temple. After a long period of colonialism by Assyria and then Babylon and then Persia, post-exilic Israel is no longer a nation homogenous in its race and ethnicity. Having lived through God's judgment for their faithlessness and miraculously being released to return home to their land, the Jews are eager to preserve their identity. And many leaders in the return community say exactly this. In Ezra and Nehemiah, there's an attempt to cleanse the people so that they will be acceptable to God even to the point of requiring Jewish men to send away their foreign wives and children. They are doubling down, as it were, on scrupulous adherence to the law as it was handed down to them. They are circling the wagons and rolling up the sidewalks. Into this reality, third Isaiah speaks. We're given just a short portion of the text for today, which is a shame because the whole of this text gives us a very clear message from God. God is expressly saying that those who had previously been excluded from the covenant, specifically foreigners and eunuchs, are now to be welcomed into the worship of God. In a time and environment where all of Israel's instincts are to purify herself, to sharply define herself over against the other people of the land, God calls her through his prophet to do just the opposite. God's covenant will not be about exclusion, but about inclusion. We can see how a vulnerable people who've been attacked and conquered would be suspicious about welcoming outsiders. It might be seen as weakness in their commitment to their identity and their community. But Israel has just been the recipient of God's miraculous grace. They were a conquered people in exile and God has intervened to release them and send them home to rebuild the temple and create a beautiful house of worship for God. As it has been from the very beginning, back when God called Abraham and promised to make a great nation of him. Israel's salvation is tied up with the world's salvation. God's dream for the world is much bigger than national identity. It's a vision bigger than we can imagine. God is working out his plan of salvation but God's plan toward salvation is not a thin line. It expands as it moves forward, capturing more and more of God's creation as it makes its way to the climax on the cross. In accepting the grace of God's salvation, Israel's now being called to turn outward and share this same grace with those previously thought to be outside of the covenant. 
They're called to reflect God's own loving kindness, expanding their understanding of who is acceptable to and beloved of God. This message is repeated in our gospel passage for today. Jesus encounters a deeply faithful foreign woman who forces him to rethink his own narrow conceptions of the boundaries of God's people. God's grace and inclusion is offered not just to the children of Israel, but to all God's children. In this encounter, Jesus is changed. And his message of the inbreaking of God's kingdom is forever expanded as he makes his way to Jerusalem and the cross. Just as we mature and progress in our spiritual journey, so too do God's people. What once was accepted as necessary or had been excluded expands as we become more grounded in our faith. Welcoming and including those who had been outsiders can be disruptive and awkward and difficult. Yet, our assurance that we are beloved children of God creates in us a space where there is room for nuance and difference and patience and grace. We can be faithful in our commitment to God and obedient to the faith that has been handed down to us, even as we see how God is calling us into new ways to welcome others into that faith that we hold so dear. The fact that this expansive changing path is difficult for us, that it challenges us, is probably a very good sign that it is the right path. We're not called to find a comfortable place and set up shop. We're called to continue to move forward and outward finding ways to reflect God's love for all his people in new and sometimes challenging ways. The gift of salvation is not ours to hoard, but God's to give away through us. The Episcopal Church is particularly suited to living out this challenging call the Washington National Cathedral is an Episcopal cathedral. It prominently states on its website that it is a house of prayer for all people. As Episcopalians, we know that God continues to reveal his truth through the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that our faith grounded in relationship with God is a living, breathing, changing thing. Our unchanging constant is God and his loving, faithful, and forgiving character. Dr. Martin Luther King said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Based on our scripture passages for today, we can say the arc of salvation history is long but it bends toward inclusion. In our own higher baseline anxiety, 
and in our desire to maintain or regain control of our environment, how might we be participating in, in systems, in habits, in bubbles that maintain the boundaries of otherness instead of expanding and including? We as Christians and as this particular congregation of God's people are called to be open to the ever unfolding expansion of God's salvation. More than this, we are to be agents and ambassadors of this expansion. To be active participants in the arc of salvation history that bends toward inclusion. Amen.